Welcome to the Salty and Bright podcast, a show about how we can better live as God's salt and light today. Today, I'm excited to welcome Alan Rowley to the podcast. My name is Alan Rowley, and I'm over three score years and ten. Alan was born in Sydney and grew up in a nominal Christian family. As a young adult, Alan gradually drifted away from the church and established a successful career in human resources and executive development. But Alan's relationship with God took an about turn when he met and married Debbie, a faithful Christian woman from the US. Together, they started attending the Belmore Road Church of Christ in Melbourne and have been dedicated members there for over 20 years. At present, Alan and Debbie lead the Belmore Road Missions Committee and are enjoying life as new retirees. I definitely appreciated hearing Alan's witty yet thoughtful insights about building a firm spiritual foundation, and I think you will too. So the first question that I really wanted to ask you, Alan, around our theme of building a firm spiritual foundation is how did you come to know Christ and his church. So could you tell us a bit about that? Sure, sure. And Faith, I'm going to distinguish between hearing about Christ and knowing about Christ, because I think they're different. And initially, I I came to hear about Christ at the age of about five, through Sunday school at uh, an Anglican church in Sydney. And in the the 1950s, there, there seemed to be this perception that all good children would go to Sunday school. Now, my parents didn't really go to church, but they made sure that their children did. So me and my two siblings went through Sunday school and ultimately that church. And I stayed with that church until my late teens. Taught Sunday school for a couple of years and and was part of the youth group. Then when I was about 18, I drifted um, and let the world take over. I'd started work. I was doing university at night. I had a girlfriend and I just lost interest in the church. And I guess that's what and why I distinguish between hearing about Christ and knowing Christ. I'd certainly heard about him, but I didn't really know him. For example, I didn't really know God's word. I knew my Anglican prayer book pretty well, but not the Bible. In fact, I was trying to remember when I got my first Bible and I I was in my teens, I think. And even after all those years connected with the church, I, I didn't have a strong spiritual foundation. So for, for the next 30 years, approximately, I had nothing much to do with God and certainly not church. You know, I would go to church for a wedding of a friend or a funeral, but, but that was it. And I was busy establishing a fairly successful career. I guess it wasn't until I met my wife Debbie in my late 40s that I began to know Christ, and it was no Christ. Debbie was brought up in the church in America, and her dad was, a, was an elder in a few churches of Christ. So Debbie knew her Bible really well, and God was absolutely a major part of her life. We met at work when Debbie moved to Australia for a contract. And we started going out together. It was a natural thing for for me to go to church with her on Sundays. It was Belmore Road, Church of Christ in Melbourne. Um, I started off dropping her off for 
what was called care groups. And I went to McDonald's for breakfast and then I would come back for worship. So we eventually got married and I became more interested in, in Debbie's faith. And we both had fairly uh, high pressure jobs and it never ceased to amaze me how calm Debbie was compared to me. And when I questioned her about it, she simply took me to those wonderful verses in Philippians 4, 6 to 7. And the great words, and it reads, Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So I, I guess I simply wanted what she had and some of this peace that surpasses all understanding. One thing led to another and uh, I became more and more interested in Jesus, God's word, prayer, the church. I certainly had lots of questions, which Deb was mostly able to answer to, to my satisfaction. She was and she still is a great teacher. I was baptised a couple of years later by her dad in Florida. We then moved to Austin in Texas to take up a two-year contract, and I was blessed that we, we found a wonderful church home in, in Brentwood Oaks Church of Christ um, out of Austin. It was a large church, about 700, and I wasn't used to, to that many people because my church back in Melbourne was much smaller. And they had fantastic teachers. Many were part of uh, what was then called Austin Graduate School of Theology, and they're a wonderful family. And as a new Christian, I lapped it up, and my faith really did strengthen. As we came back on the, on the flight, coming back to Melbourne, uh, Debbie said, you know, I know you went to, to Austin to make money, but I think God took control. And the reason we ended up in, in Austin was so your faith could strengthen. I think she was 100% right. We returned to Melbourne, um, Belmore Road, and um, eventually I was talked into running a Bible class. My background is, is in training and development, and yet I put off that decision to, um, to preach or teach because I guess I was concerned about the importance of it and what would happen um, if I was wrong if I led somebody up the garden path. So yeah, I put it off for quite a long while, but eventually um, I got up and I think I did my first Bible class and now occasionally I preach and I, I now feel like I truly do know Christ. I guess one of the most important things, however, is the people around me, the people at church that, that are my family. So I think that's about it, Faith. Okay, well, you covered a lot of ground, I think, which which is great. Maybe a follow-up question, Alan, is, you know, coming from your background of having grown up in the church or having grown up going to church, then drifting away, like you said, and then coming back to the church through Debbie. So was there anything in particular that kind of won you back to Christ? Yeah, look, I think it was a succession of things, starting with Debbie. She was very patient with my, uh, with my questioning because, uh, you know, I, I, um, I had lots of questions. And, you know, some, she would simply just open and said, well, let's have a look. Let's open up the Word and 
see what we make of it. And, I, you know, I was blessed also by, by having some, um, some really good people around me that I could talk to. And I think that was important. Austin, as I said, it was just sort of one thing after another. Uh, baptism, then Austin, then great teaching. We uh, relied very heavily on our church family in Austin and they were wonderful. And I thought, you know what? This, this, is, uh, this is what it's meant to be. So I think faith to answer that question was more a succession of things. Another thing I wanted to ask you, Alan, was what kind of questions um, you came to your faith with because you were talking about how you would sit down with Debbie and really just fire questions at her. So what kinds of things were you curious about or what kinds of things did you question before you really made that commitment? Um, Okay, I can give you some. How literal is Genesis? How much of it is analogy? How how much of it is... um, is fact. What, what does a day mean then? Is it the same as a day now? Those sort of general questions. And then I guess, uh, how important is baptism? What about all those people that haven't been baptised? Um, what about those that fall away and, you know, have been devoted for Christians for years and years? What about people who are Buddhist? What about that sort of stuff? And, you know, I, I guess I was I used to throw those questions around pretty hard sometimes. But Debbie was very patient. So that's the sort of stuff that came to mind. So the next question that I wanted to focus on, Alan, was from your perspective, what does a firm spiritual foundation actually look like? So is there one essential thing that you need or... Do you think there are different elements? This concept of spiritual foundation is this underpinning thing. It's the basis, the roots of your faith. And it needs to be strong and deep to deal with the hassles of everyday life. And the best analogy I can think of is this. Um, A couple of weeks ago, we had some terrible storms. And I woke up that next morning to find bits of tree all over the street so I went for a drive around the block and I noticed there's a, a house in the street behind us that has these huge pine trees. And I mean huge. And two of them had completely fallen onto the roof of this house. They hadn't broken off. They had simply uprooted. And when you looked at those roots, those roots weren't very, very deep at all. They were really shallow, which is why they fell. And to me, it's that analogy of not having those strong roots to keep you going. And that, to me, is this concept of a spiritual foundation that we can crash, just like those trees in storms of our life, if, if, if our spiritual roots aren't strong. And I think Christ, Christ puts it really, really well in Matthew now, this is, this is just at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And it's a story that we all know, by the way. It's, we, in fact, we sang it in Sunday school. The wise man built his house upon the rock and the foolish man built his house upon the sand. But do we really know and can we remember the context that that was about? So I'll read it to you. 
and says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. Now, I just think that is the analogy. It is not just knowing the word, trying to understand what it all means. Sure, that's important, but it's acting on it and doing what Christ is asking you to do. To me, that forms this foundation, but underlying all of that are those things like the word, prayer, getting other Christians around you, all of that sort of stuff. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely it does. But uh, just to put you a bit on the spot, Alan, I was wondering if you could just expand upon those elements that you mentioned just then. So I think they were God's word, prayer and fellowship. I'll go through them as best I can. Reading and reflecting on God's word. Now, certainly that's what Debbie and I did very early in my piece because it wasn't just Deb's words. It was God's word because we'd open up and get into it. And one of the things I found is it's really easy to let that go. You know, I did that. Let's read the Bible in a year. And I did it, but I found I was doing it more to accomplish the task of reading it in the year. And, uh, you know, I really, I actually wouldn't recommend that to anyone because the time you need to meditate on what those words mean just sort of aren't built in there. And one of the things that really helped me is taking a Bible class or, or preaching. That's when I really got into the word. And I was so thankful, and it was your father actually, that, that convinced me I need to get in there and I think his words were, Alan, you've been a Christian for a long while now. You need to get up there and act on it. Exactly what Christ was saying in the, the wise man and the foolish man analogy he gave. So that's one, reading and reflecting. And, and that reflecting is really important. And do I use commentaries? You bet. And I, I tend to read under different versions as well because I, sometimes stuff jumps out at you. So you're reading and you think, okay, so how does this apply now? And then once you find that application, if it's something you can do, act on it. Get out there, do it. Um, that's what Christ was talking about. Prayer, of course, and, you know, Deb's probably more of a prayer warrior than I am, but, you know, we pray every single day. We pray together. Worshipping, I think, and praising the Lord, that's just a fundamental to this spiritual foundation. And a big one is just having a church family around you, not just on Sundays, but having a church family and living the life. I did want to ask you though, Alan, to talk a bit more about people kind of nudging you, because I think listening to your story, there's at least a couple of times where you, or it sounds like you were quite content just to keep going how you were going once you'd made that commitment. So do you think that you needed those nudges and that prodding to kind of take the next step in your faith? One of the reasons we went to, to Austin is um, my reason was financial. 
I could see um, it was really going to be worth it. We went at the dot-com boom and within nine months of, of living there, the crash started and um, I watched the possibility of coming back with lots of money go down the drain pretty quickly. House prices dropped and I made the mistake of saying, oh, let's buy a house. Um, and I thought, oh my goodness, what's happening? We were, we were in a Bible class and I'd only been probably a part of the church in Austin for about three months. And it was James, the, the guy who was running the class said, oh, let's read this. And it's those wonderful lines, you silly people. Um, I wish I could remember it exactly, but you go from town to town hoping to make money. You're nothing but mist, vapour. Um, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, that was me. And really the spirit was working. The same as when I was, your dad pushed me into, and he did, he pushed me. And again, the spirit was working. And I've got lots of, I guess, faith in that spirit inside us that keeps us on the self-track and does move us from milk to, um, to more mature food. You know, I can't remember a time when you weren't preaching or teaching, but I'm so glad that these people were comfortable enough with you, but also loving enough to push you because I think it is a form of love to, to really push you because they knew you could do it. And that, I reckon they were taking a risk, really. I guess when I started off in the church, some of the questions I was asking Debbie, I threw around in Baba class as well. And one of the beauties about our church is that there is no question you can't ask. And, you know, some of the questions I asked, they must have thought, oh, my goodness, who is this guy? But they were, as I said, they were very patient and they got to know us and we got to know them over the years. And, yeah, so they, they took a chance and put me up in front of some people. And I, got, I was quite nervous about it all. Um, one of the things in our church is, is that we do read the word and there's some very well-read people. And I was really, really nervous. But anyway, they're very patient. Well, I'm, I'm also curious about how important it was that you felt comfortable enough to ask questions because I realise it's not the case in all churches or even schools or workplaces. So was that an important part of your spiritual foundation? Yeah, I think so. And look, I guess, Faith, I, I've always asked questions <laughs> right through my life. And, you know, my university studies, I was never afraid to ask a question, regardless of the fact that it might sound a bit silly. And I think I did exactly the same here. And I felt very comfortable that I guess those around me were, were willing to let me ask the question and do their best to answer it. And I can still remember... One person who, rang, who ran a Bible class said to me, Alan, we've, we've been asked that question. I've been asked that question lots. But for you, it's probably the first time that you've asked the question. So let's talk about the answer. So I just think that's what I meant by patience. And they were very good with, new, with a new Christian. Now, Alan, you might have already touched on the next thing that I want to ask you because you mentioned that on that trip to Austin you were quite 
money-minded or career-minded. And so I was wondering, Alan, if you could talk a bit about how your faith and how having that firm foundation in Christ actually changed how you either see or live your life more practically. Mm. Look, I think the goal of, of a Christian who has this spiritual foundation is to be transformed to be more like Christ and to display the fruits of the Spirit. Now, I've got a long way to go, but uh, I have noticed some changes which I can only attribute to the Spirit inside me, and, and Debbie has confirmed them. Um, prior to me finding Christ, it was absolutely all about me. In fact, that carried across even through my early years of coming back. And I think that that's changed quite a lot. Um, I'm still working on the fruits of the Spirit. My dear wife tells me that um, I'm more patient and self-controlled than I was. And I, I have mentioned that I'm over 70. And as you, as you age, the thought of leaving this life becomes more real. And as a Christian, I feel blessed that that thought holds no real fear for me. And I put that down to the fact that I do have, I think, a fairly firm spiritual foundation. Yeah, and I've noticed it in funerals as well. My wife's dad's funeral was this amazing celebration of his life. And I would say that 80%, 90% probably of the people there were Christians. And it was completely different than going to a funeral of a non-Christian. Yes, you celebrate life, but there's this awful sadness. And we were sad. We were, you know, we miss him. But also there was some joy in the fact that, you know, he led a good life a good Christian life, and we felt very comfortable knowing that he was in a better place because they went through a fair bit of pain towards the end. So I think that that sort of stuff, you view life differently. There's no other, there's no other word for it. It's just different. And, you know, you know, the analogy about, you know, the world and, you know, we're separate from the world. Yes, we are. We've got to live in the world, though. And the more we can, I guess, talk to others about our faith, the better. Maybe just on that, Alan, I did want to go a bit deeper into what you said about Debbie's dad and his role, um, especially in the early years of your faith, because I've heard you talk about him a lot and just how central he was and how much of an example he was to you. I, I think... First of all, the very fact that he accepted me. My father had passed at that stage. And um, this man that I had met before when he came out to Australia, um, but just accepted me as, uh, as a son. Uh, and I was a non-Christian marrying his daughter, who was a Christian. And yet he just opened the door. And again, you could ask questions. We didn't always agree on stuff, but, at, you know, he was in his 90s when, and we would have wonderful conversations. 
around the word. Yes, he was very conservative. I, I think it's fair to say that. So I would, um, I guess, enjoy stretching that a little bit. And um, I would give him some books to read. And even look, he read one version of the Bible that he was really comfortable with. So I thought it would be interesting for him to read the New Living Translation. And he read it. I gave him some books on baptism and the Lord's Supper, which again were a little bit out there, but still scripturally sound, I think. And he would he read it and said, didn't agree with everything that was there, but it certainly made me think. Now, if I can do that like he did at 90-something, I thought, how, how wonderful is that? So, yes, it was just like being in church. With our, with our church, you can ask questions. Um, I used to bait him a little bit, but um, and he, he knew it and, and laughed. And, yeah, so he was very influential enormously. And so much so, he was the one that baptised me. And I couldn't think of anyone I'd rather have baptised me than him. So I think I'm up to my last question. And so I was wondering, Alan, if you would have any more advice specifically for younger Christians who are really seeking to establish their own firm spiritual foundation. And you've touched on quite a few things already, but are there any other pieces of advice or words of wisdom that you want to share? Faith, I'm not sure they're words of wisdom, but okay, here we go. First one, keep in touch with other young Christians, people you can talk to about your struggles. I think sometimes in the church, we think it's wonderful to, um, to have people being baptised and we, we study with them. I just wonder whether we really talk to them enough about the cost of being a Christian. And I think the cost is going up much more so than it was in my, you know, 25 years ago. And so there will, there will be struggles, absolutely. And if they've got people their own age, they can talk to people who are also Christians. I think that's wonderful. And also I'll go to the other bit, other end of the spectrum. Also, see if you can find an older person that you trust and that you feel can help you grow in Christ because there is some wisdom that often comes with, with age. Get into the Word. Find a translation that works for you and look for ways of putting it into practice. I find now that um, I get great joy out of doing that. And there's some things I still struggle, struggle with, um, but that enjoyment is there and that, um, that beauty of being able to practice out, act out Christ's words, I just think is a wonderful experience. And this is going to mean, or well, I'd say may mean that you're at odds with the mainstream, thus the importance, I think, of having other Christians you could seek advice from and talk to. Take your issues to God in prayer. Uh, remember I talked about that peace that passes all understanding? That's a wonderful, wonderful thing to have. And don't give up. Keep on keeping on. That's as good as I can do, Faith. <laughs> that's, no, that's perfect. Now, Alan, I didn't tell you about this, but I was hoping that you'd 
be happy to stay around to do a kind of rapid fire round of questions. So it would be great if you answered them. They're pretty simple. So say in 20 words or less. So are you willing to do that? You might not like the answers you get, but I'll give it a go. Okay, great. The first one, Alan, is what is your favorite Bible verse and why? Oh, goodness. I think I'll have to go to Philippians, as I said. And I'll probably go back. Oh, I'll just find them again. Um, but it begins in four and it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything but in everything through prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. And I think I've explained why. I think they're, they're important. But just that fact that the Lord is near. What a wonderful, wonderful thought that he is near. Um, his spirit is in us and he will never let us go. So the second question is, who is your Bible hero and why? Oh, David has to be. Um, he gives me great hope that somebody who's a man after God's own heart could have sinned the way he did and still, I mean, there were consequences, absolutely, but he's still a man after God's own heart. And it gives sinners like us great hope that there's hope for us. Um, and, and I don't think, well, I certainly haven't done anything as extreme either way as David did. But yes, that's why. he's What a great man he was, and yet he made lots of mistakes. And the next question is, when or where do you feel closest to God? It's out looking at God's glory. One of the interesting things about this lockdown is that uh, Debbie and I have managed to get on lots of walks, and we got so sick of doing the 5K around our place that we were most joyful when we knew we could go somewhere else. So we found some wonderful places just to walk around um, and just experience this. How could you say God doesn't exist when you look at the wonders that have been created and just take them in? That's when I feel closest. And the fourth question is, what is an ordinary moment that fills you with gratitude? I think the ordinary moment is is just feeling blessed that um, I know Christ. And those ordinary moments could be, I don't know, eating a hot dog. Not that I eat hot dogs, but e eating some food and just going, oh, how blessed are we that God has provided this for us. And the last one, Alan, is what is one lesson that you think God is still trying to teach you? Oh, it's not about me. It is absolutely not about me. And that's, I'm still working on that. There's lots of opportunity. And sometimes I still grumble about it. And luckily I've got a good wife that encourages me. So those were the final five questions I wanted to ask you, Alan. So that's probably where we can wrap up. But I do want to say... Thank you so much for making time to have this conversation. And it's been a lot of fun chatting to you. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I, I hope that, um, you know, it does some good. What an energizing conversation. 
Just listening to Alan makes you want to be on fire for Christ. Thank you for listening to this third episode of the podcast. You can send any feedback to saltyandbrightpod at gmail.com and make sure to look out for episode four coming soon. But until then, stay salty and bright.